He is risen. He is risen. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine, I wish we were together today, not just our physical congregation here in Tampa, but our internet congregation. I, I don't want to steal sheep. I'm not talking about taking you from your church or pastor. I just wish all the body of Christ could be physically together in one place today, like we're going to be when we get home home in heaven to worship God and celebrate Jesus today. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But I'm glad that we're together here through the media right now. Uh, through our physical congregation, I miss you so very, very much. Amen. We were told by one of the, uh, recently over the news, by one of the advisors to the president, that, uh, uh, and he made a statement uh, to the news media that we may never be able to shake hands again. We shouldn't be touching one another ever again. Well, I don't know about all of that. I, I, I believe we're going to be able to shake hands again. I don't want to just shake hands with my brethren. I want to, I want to hug their neck. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I do want to shake hands too. Uh, I'm glad today that we can have hope in this time. And that's why we're bringing you a message on this resurrection morning, this Easter Sunday, if you please, understood by Christians uniquely as the resurrection morning, resurrection of Jesus, separating the holiday from the holy day. This is a holy, holy day for us. And it is a time of great hope. The message of the resurrection of Jesus was and is today and always will be a message of hope. That's why the title of our message is the resurrection of Jesus, a crucial truth for a world in crisis. You see, optimism is a good thing. Our governor here in the state of Florida has said he hopes at a certain date things will begin to get back to normal. The president and the political leaders and governors of other states are saying similar things. I'm glad they're not pessimist. I'm glad they're not so negative. I'm glad they are offering a degree of hope through just optimism. But optimism itself is a wish without a warrant. It's a wish without a warrant. Christian hope is a certainty guaranteed by God Himself. It's a certainty guaranteed by God Himself. And the Bible said the God of all hope filled you with hope in believing. And it begins by believing this great truth today that Christ has died for us on the cross, shed His precious blood, and that God has raised Him from the dead. Today, we are going to celebrate this bitter, sweet event because the cross is married to the resurrection. The resurrection married to the cross. They're like, they're like twins that can't be separated because without the cross, there would be no need for a resurrection. There would be no sin debt paid in full to be ratified and qualified by the resurrection. There would be no complete salvation without the cross. 
And without the resurrection, the cross would have no relevance because it would be clear that the sin debt was not paid in full, that the blood of Christ was not accepted by God as an atoning sacrifice. So today it's so important that we get the whole message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and that we have Christian hope, a certainty guaranteed by God himself. Someone said the cross is the victory, the resurrection is the triumph, the public display of that victory, the triumph of the crucified one. This guarantee from God through the resurrection is what we're going to be talking about today. The resurrection of Jesus, a crucial truth for a world in crisis. Amen. We're so glad today to bring you a message of this kind of hope in these kind of times that we are living. First, the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees the deity of Jesus Christ. It guarantees that sinless blood, therefore, was shed on that cross so that God could accept that lamb without spot and without blemish. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 says, and declare, speaking of Jesus Christ, and declared to be the Son of God, with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. You see, friend, if Jesus is not the Christ, the anointed one, if he's not the Son of God, if he's not the Messiah, if he's not God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, then his blood cannot cleanse us from our sins. His sacrifice is of no redeeming value. We have followed a fraud, a good man, even a great man, a highly anointed prophet, but certainly not the Son of God, our Savior. Ah, but the resurrection has declared him to be the Son of God with power, with power over death, with power over Satan, with power over circumstances, with power over angels, good and evil, with power to forgive sin, with power, therefore, to save, because He is the Son of God. He's who He declared Himself to be, and He has been declared by God through the resurrection to be everything He said He was, and everything that He said is true. Christianity, in its very essence, is a resurrection religion. The concept of resurrection is at its very heart. If you remove it, Christianity is for all practical purposes destroyed. So the resurrection of Jesus separates Christianity from the other religious systems of the world. Buddhism, Confucianism, and all the other isms and religious systems are based on moral codes. And some of them have benefits in that they ask people to live better lives. But their fault lies in their limitation. They've never mastered death and never will. Take the resurrection of Jesus Christ from Christianity and you have only another moral code. One higher than many, but still just a way of life based largely on the precept do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's called the golden rule. 
Paul wrote to the Corinthians, If Christ hath not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, your faith is also in vain, and the dead be not raised. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is our hope today. It's our assurance that we have a living Savior to help us live as we should now. And when, in the end, when this life is over, as someone said, we set forth on that last great journey, we shall not travel an uncharted course, but rather we will go on a planned voyage, life to death to life eternal. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what hallelujahs we should be singing unto Him, celebrating what He has given us in terms of the hope that we hold so dear and so precious. Amen. The blood that was shed was sinless so that we could be set free from the accusations against us, from the wrath of God, the justifiable anger of God. Oh, because His precious blood... The Bible said we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold after the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Jesus was and is and always will be the Son of the living God, the second person of the Godhead. And the Bible said great is the mystery of godliness. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to say great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The amazing thing about the cross is, the scripture declares, to wit, God was in Jesus Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. We sing that song, and it's a mighty, wonderful song. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? But it really doesn't say enough in light of that scripture. God became flesh. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. To wit, God was in Jesus Christ, redeeming the world unto himself. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. And in that sense, the second person of the Godhead, very man and very God, was on the cross. To think that my Creator became my Savior. That my Sovereign over not just my my soul, but over all creation and all eternity. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The very God of glory. Love me enough to condescend, take on flesh, and suffer and die on that cross for me. So he could be raised for my justification. Oh, friend, what a day to separate from the holiday. Listen, I love chocolate. I used to eat the ears off the bunnies as a kid. I'll eat them off the bunnies today. But it's not the bunnies and the chocolate and the colorful eggs representing fertility and, and all the things going back to a pagan time. We we just separate it from that, just like we do Christmas. I don't have anything against Santa, but I want to make sure when Christmas comes, I'm not just just looking at the holiday, but I am celebrating the holy day. 
Jesus came into this world, God came down to us. Amen. Took on flesh, laid helpless in a manger, so that he could hang helpless on a cross. So that you and I could never be helpless and therefore never hopeless. Never without hope, because we're never without God in this present world, in this fallen world. Oh, friend of mine, therefore the resurrection guarantees our justification. Romans 4 verse 25 says, Who was delivered for our offenses and who was raised again for our justification. That means the high court of heaven, the supreme judge of the universe, has declared us not guilty as a result of Christ's death and resurrection. Satan can no longer accuse us before God. It took both his death for our sins and the resurrection for God to declare us not guilty because he has accepted the sacrifice, the blood that was dripping to the ground, literally beneath that cross. Amen. Had to be, had to be spiritually uh, uh, placed on the mercy seat in heaven in order for you and I to be completely forgiven. The price was paid at the cross. The price was paid in full. It is finished. Amen. But that victory was displayed. That that sacrifice was accepted. The cross was the victory. The resurrection was the triumph. The public display of that victory. That's why in every Holy Communion service, oh, how I miss it being together, especially this Sunday. But the Bible said when we take that cup, we declare, we publicly proclaim, we show the Lord's death until He come. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, He was delivered up for our offenses, but He was raised again for our justification. Satan can no longer accuse us before God. Romans 8 and verse 34 said, Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that, Christ that died. There's that part of it. Yea, rather, is risen again. There's that part of it. The two complete it. Amen. Who is he then that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You know, the scriptures declare that he is able to save them, meaning those that have repented of their sins and received Christ as their Savior, He's able to save them to the uttermost, which means to the furthest degree. Amen. Seeing that He ever lives to make intercession for us. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are essential to our redemption. We are free men and women this morning. We are not under the law nor condemned by it. Because we have been justified. Doesn't mean we're free to break all the commandments. No. No. It means that. Well didn't Jesus say it. He said I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. But listen to how he caused us to be able to fulfill it. Listen to how. He never sinned. What about you? What about me? Amen. Does this give us license to sin. To break the law. Because we're not. We're not under the law 
because we're under grace? No, absolutely not. But listen, he said, he said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Thou shalt love, thou shalt love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, soul, mind, and strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. One is vertical, thou shalt love God with all, and one is horizontal, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, thy fellow man, particularly thy brother and sister in Christ. Amen. Listen, thou shalt love. When this law of love is reigning in our heart, because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart supernaturally, because a change has been wrought within our heart and life by the Holy Spirit. Amen. We become justified because we're keeping the law of love. We don't need a, a, a law to tell us not to kill someone that we love, our brother that we love. We don't have a law to tell us not to bow to other gods and serve other gods because our God is the, the true and living God and we serve and love Him only. We, we don't go after the God of materialism and mammon and money. Amen. We go after a kingdom, an invisible spiritual kingdom and a king that has given His Son for us. Oh, friend of mine, listen to Acts thirteen thirty nine, And by Him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses, all because He was raised for our justification. You see, the Easter message tells us that our enemies, sin, the curse, and death, are beaten. Ultimately, they can no longer defeat us. They still behave as though the game is not decided yet, <laughs> the battle not fought and won. We must still reckon with them, but fundamentally we know in our heart and by the authority of God's Word that they cannot conquer us. They cannot overcome us. The resurrection guarantees our justification. Therefore, it guarantees our victory. There's something else the resurrection guarantees, and that is spiritual power to overcome. Spiritual power to overcome. Listen to Romans 8 and verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, means giving the same life, the same quality of life, <laughs> and quantity of life, in our mortal body by His Spirit that dwelleth in you, no less power than that which raised Christ from the dead." Praise the Lord. There was a prayer Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. Chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. I want to back up and catch a former verse as we put this in context. He bowed his knees. He prayed. And he asked that God grant unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That they might, that the eyes of your understanding, verse 18, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and get this today, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ 
when he raised him from the dead. Same power that raised Jesus, the spirit of him that raised Christ, this power, the exceeding greatness. And it's to usward. It's made available to every child of God that is repented of their sin, received Christ by faith. Amen. This power, he wanted us to know it by revelation that we might know it by realization. Praise God. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He knew this power that raised Jesus, the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus that communicated this power, was a dwelling indwelling Him. (laughs) And therefore, I can. I can't in myself, but I can with this power in operation and this person who is living in me. Praise God. Amen. (laughs) I remember years ago through my generation, my early Christian life, I remember an atheist declaring God is dead. There might have been a God, but if there ever was one, he don't exist anymore. And I remember the song to refute that, (laughs) that was written to refute that, if God is dead, who's this living in my soul? You see, you're saved by grace through faith, but there's an experience of the presence of God and the person of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit when you're saved. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. And everyone's experience may differ, but there is a sense of an indwelling of God's Spirit within you, and it is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Praise God. Amen. So we know, we know that this Lamb of God, this Son of God, has paid the sin debt, and we have been cleansed to such a degree that God can come and indwell us by His Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Amen. For we were not redeemed, First Peter 1, 18 and 19 said, with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hallelujah. Our sins, great and small, omission and commission, secret sins and public sins, all forgiven, not because God looked the other way, but because our sins were judged in Christ, His blood, His death, His pain, and His resurrection took them all away. Praise the Lord. And therefore, we qualify for the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus to come and indwell us. Our mortal body is given life, resurrection power. Paul said, the life that I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I'm dead, but yet I'm alive. And it's no more I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Praise God. This is the spirit of him. And this is God indwelling us. Christ indwelling us. The Holy Ghost indwelling us. Praise God. This is resurrection power. Power to overcome. Power 
power, not just to do the charismata, the gifts of the Spirit, but power to be who God called us to be. Hallelujah. For whom He did foreknow, He did predestine to be conformed to the image of His Son. It is God that worketh in us both the will and to do of His good pleasure, and it's through this power that He is working us more and more toward this person. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, I thank You. This resurrection to celebrate our salvation because of our justification and our sanctification and pretty soon our glorification. Praise God. Amen. The resurrection guarantees the believer in Christ of a deathless hope. Not a hopeless end, but an endless hope. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20 says, But now is Christ raised from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. You know what that meant? That meant He is the first man that ever died and was raised from the dead never to die again. Every other person, the Scripture said, is, is, has been caught in the law of sin and death. And it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. But the Bible said that Jesus became the first fruits, not just the last man, but the first man that is raised from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept or them that have died. <laughs> but he's not the last man that died and was raised never to die again. Every person who puts, repents of their sin, receives Christ as Savior, receives that same blessing. Amen. Because the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus now is indwelling you and indwelling me. And we are raised to never die again. I didn't say we won't experience physical death. I'm saying that because of the resurrection, death will be not final. It'll be like the writer said when he said, Death is, is only a comma in the life of a believer. It is not a period. It is not final. Jesus said at the tomb of Lazarus before he demonstrated his personal power over death. He said at the tomb of Lazarus, uh, he, said, he said, He that believeth on me, I'm the resurrection. I am the resurrection. He's the first fruit. See, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth, you and me, that believes in him, he shall never die. D.O. Moody said it well. He said, one day, you're going to read that D.O. Moody's dead. Don't you believe it? <laughs> I shall move up higher. That is all. Praise God. Amen. As he rose from the dead, Christ, and liveth forever, so will the bodies of believers he raised from the tomb. This is the unshakable confidence of the saints. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 54, and I'm going to digress and go up just a little bit in that chapter. And it, and it says, Death, where's your sting? We're living in the shadow of death we're living in the threat of death. But before this plague ever came along, 
We're all living under the certainty of death. Listen to what Paul says. We need it now. We needed it before this. We're going to need this after this. The Apostle Paul wrote, Death is swallowed up in victory. But he said just previous to that death, Where is your sting? And grave, where is your victory? Death is swallowed up in victory. Now I want to say this, that all Christian victory, every bit of it, not some of it, but every bit of it, begins at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. For He died for our offenses and He was raised for our justification. And it's because He conquered death. Not just for Himself. He didn't have to come down here at all. But He loved us enough to condescend, come down, take our place, so that we could have and share in His victory. Praise God that we could have our sins forgiven and share in His righteousness. Glory to His name. Oh no, I will not let the glory of this holy day be transcended, be eclipsed by the holiday that the world is celebrating and, and, and mourning because they can't celebrate. Oh, friend of mine, this is the holy, holy day for Christianity all over the world. Amen. Death, where's your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse, verse 58 begins with, Thanks be unto God that gives us the victory. <laughs> Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for ye you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. It happened on Easter morning. Death could not conquer Christ, and it therefore cannot conquer those who are in Christ. You see, the resurrection of Christ from the dead is the source of the Christian message, which has given hope to the hopeless and comfort to all in deep sorrow. The Christian fellowship in all the world attests to its strength that is gotten from that faith which commends our souls of our beloved dead to the keeping of Christ. And so we lift up our hearts today as we repeat the ancient creed. This is the part of that wonderful, wonderful statement of faith that applies to every Christian today. I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Praise the Lord. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus means that you and I can live forever with God. Trouble, illness, and death may come, but my real self, my soul, the eternal essence of my being will go on living in another existence absent from the body present with the Lord. And this body 
whether it go back to the dust or not, <laughs> whether it's in some part of decay, when Jesus comes and the trump sounds, this very body I'm in right now answers the question, will we know each other in heaven? Well, do you know me now? If you know me now, you're going to know me when I get to heaven. I, I believe I'm going to be younger. <laughs> I believe I'm going to be at a perfect age and stage of life in this body that is ageless. Put on in that has put on incorruption and immortality. Praise God. When God completes his plan, death is not going to win. Amen. Life is going to prevail. And resurrection to me means reunion. Fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, friends, loved ones await us. On the other side, as I look at TV and I see the body bags and I see the caskets and, and I can feel in my heart, because I've lived long enough to lose good friends, fellow Christians and, and, and family, so many of family. A daughter that was a preemie that is with the Lord lived only four days. Oh, but I have a daughter. I have a daughter. She exists. And I'm going to see her someday and live with her forever. <laughs> Amen. And she will know her daddy. We'll know as we are known that she never got to know here. I have a son who beat me to heaven. He said, Dad, if I beat you to heaven, don't worry. I'm right with God. I'm ready to go home. And he did beat me home. He really beat me home. And it seems surreal that my son would beat me to heaven. Oh, friend, but I'm going to be with him forever, age without end. And there will be no more sickness and no more sin that brings death. Oh, thank God for the resurrection of Jesus today. It can never be blended with the world's holiday, for this day has a meaning that is way beyond the celebration of new life that comes with spring, the celebration of, of, of fertile ground that brings new crops, the celebration of fertile animals that multiplies them for man's good. Oh, no, no. This is way beyond the material. This is way beyond the physical. This touches eternity today. This conquers death and gives us hope today. Praise God. Amen. On Easter Sunday, the pastor would proclaim, He is risen. The saints would reply, He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Praise God. Listen, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior today and you've listened to this point in this Easter message, this Resurrection Sunday message, I want you to know that God loves you so much today that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish but have eternal life. And I know, if you're still listening right now, I know and you, you, you may have been raised in a Christian home or some other faith, but you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. I know God is speaking to you right now. I know He's drawing you right now to Himself. 
This could be the greatest Easter Sunday of your life. One you will never forget and never quit celebrating for the rest of your life and throughout all eternity. For this could be the day that you receive the greatest gift from the greatest giver, from the greatest love and the greatest sacrifice that has ever been given, the gift of eternal life. For He was offered up for our sins and He was raised for our justification. Run to Jesus today. Don't run from Him. It may be fear of death, but listen, long after this is past, we might feel a space of safe again. The world will be changed. And one thing is for sure, we're all going to die of something someday. For it's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. But when you're justified, you don't have to fear the judgment to come. And Christian today, let's celebrate the resurrection. Celebrate our Savior. Celebrate our salvation. And don't let the trouble and the fear stop us. God has conquered. Christ has overcome for us today. On Easter Sunday, the pastor would proclaim, He is risen, the saints of God would proclaim. In response, He is risen indeed. I want to do that right now. He is risen. Say it with me. He is risen indeed. He is risen. Say it again. He is risen indeed. And rest in the full assurance that God has everything, including you and me, under control.